We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We, we did have a super chat here from Nathan Milton that I need to find here, Ryan. Just give me a second. Here we go. Here it is right here. Nathan says, in retrospect, would you have preferred Harry Heastan to stay retired? Do you think college football changed too much for Harry and he wasn't See, a good fit? I, I knew somebody was going to take it the way that Nathan took it. No, I, Harry Heastan did a great job coaching the Notre Dame offensive line last year. Great job. The, what I said, and I made I said it as clear as possible – this is not that it's a bad thing. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Certain coaches like coaches to engage with players a certain way. Doesn't make it better. Doesn't make it worse. Harry Heastan did a phenomenal job coaching the offensive line last year. They had a dis- disgustingly bad offensive line in 2021. I was awful. It was terrible. And he yeah. turned it into a, an offensive line that could go in November, play a Clemson team with two first-round draft picks on the D-line, and another guy that got drafted and two other guys that are probably going to get drafted, a third round pick, a linebacker, two other linebackers. Everybody keeps telling me your top 50 players in college football coming back this year. And they destroyed it. And Clemson knew exactly what was coming and they could not do a dang thing about it. Harry, he did a great job last year. That's why I made it very clear that this is not a, it was a bad thing. It's a negative thing. It's just a different thing. People look for different types of coaches. Some people like guys that are going to be in your face. I want intensity on that position. Other guys say, hey, I want a guy that's a little bit more of a teacher. I want a guy that's a little bit more reserved. Deliberate. And there's not a better or or there's not a better way or a wrong way or whatever. Some coach, some players are going to be glad Harry Heastan's gone. Some are going to be upset that he's gone. And that's true no matter who your coach is. Like if Marcus Freeman left, there'd be guys on the team like, good, I'm glad he's gone. You know, I didn't get my chance or whatever. I mean, that's true for every single coach that's ever existed. There were guys that hated Lou Holtz, right? There were guys that could stand Eric Parsegian. That's just part of coaching. So that's not, but, but, you know, there's also guys that, that we, we knew. I know this from the first time coach he stand left. There was a Liam Eikenberg is a guy that was probably glad that coach he stand was gone, but, who did he turn to two years later when he was going into his last year and needing somebody to work with him? Because I think as Liam got older and maturity realized, okay, yeah, you know what? This is why he did that. Because there are some players that need that Harry Heastan kick in the pants 
to be the best they can be. Otherwise, they're just they're just not going to get there. So no one should at all take anything negative out of what I said. And I prefaced that and I knew somebody was going to take it that way, no matter how much I prefaced it. Um, but am I what I've preferred? He stayed retired. N- my preference would be that he didn't retire the second time. That he's still my here, preference yeah. would be that Harry Heastan is still the offensive line coach at Notre Dame. That's my preference. And that's no shot at Joe Rudolph. Harry Heastan is, the, in my opinion, one of the two to three best offensive line coaches in all of college football. And and has the game changed too much? Did you watch Notre Dame's offensive line last year? Did it look like the game had changed for Harry Heastan's offensive line last year? No way. He did a great job last year. And and if Harry Heastan was coaching back, you know, there are guys that played for Joe Moore that hated Joe Moore. That's, yes. Again, I could do this all day. Pick a coach. And you know who was not that kind of guy? Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was not. There are guys that played for him that did not like him either. That's true of every single coach that's ever coached the game. Yep. It's about results. And Harry Heastan got results. Flat out got results last year. And the game has not passed him by at all. And my comment, and in no way, and I said this before and after I made the comment, was not to say that it's better that this that it's he's gone or that it, this way's better. It's just I have my preference. You have your preference. Marcus Freeman has his preference, and every coach who with his preferences needs to find coaches that fit that preference. And one's not better than the other. It's just this one fits what I am doing better. Doesn't mean Harry Heastan didn't fit because Marcus Freeman hired him too, and the results were excellent. And if Harry Heastan doesn't retire. He's still the offensive line coach in Notre Dame right now. Yeah. Right. So um, anyone taking it this way, that's, I said it then, it's not at all how I meant it. And the result, and look at the recruiting class he landed. Pretty good recruiting class, too, Ryan. Very good. Yeah. So, um, no, that the, the, I would not have preferred that he stayed retired. And I don't think the game has changed too much because offensive linemen are still need a guy that's going to kick him in the butt. It's just, there's different ways to kick guys in the butt. And that's the thing because like, Joe Rudolph's not a passive guy at all. No. I mean, he's not a, hey, you missed that block, but it's okay. I still love you. Let's <laughs> hug it out. That's not Joe Rudolph. It's just his style mm-hmm. is less aggressive than Coach E stands. For some guys, that's going to work. For other guys, they need that aggressiveness. Let's just be honest about that, Ryan. Some guys need that kick in the butt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. From Rob. Rob says, Brian, if you can briefly, how did IB come into being and how did you meet Vince? Just curious. You know, Vince and I have had this conversation. We don't remember exactly when we met, but it was at a Notre Dame game back in like 2010 or 11. Like what the exact moment was, I think we might have sat by each other at a couple games and just hit it off. So when I first moved here and got on the beat um, and then, you know, we just again, we, we get we got along very well. Still do. How did I, I become to be? So basically, around 2018, 2019, I always knew that I kind of wanted to go off on my own. And an opportunity presented itself based on the place that I was at and where that relationship was. It was time for me to kind of finally go move on and do my own thing. And so I had an opportunity to uh, leave the place I was at and start a new website uh, with Sports Illustrated at the time it was called Irish Maven. Well, I always kind of wanted to have a different platform that was kind of separate from the website and we we're going to do a podcast. So we started the podcast and actually my wife came up with the name Irish breakdown. Cause she's like, well, what's your show going to be about? I said, we're going to break down this. We're going to do this. We're going to break down this. She says, you did a lot of breakdowns. What about Irish breakdown? I was like, and it's perfect. And it makes total sense because it stands out. It makes us stand out differently. We, we do things differently. We more analysis, more, you know, it's not just here's news, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's plenty of people that do that and do that very well. Like I've said this before, I can try as hard as I want. Ryan, you can try as hard as you want. I'm never going to be the writer that Lou Samoji was just, I'm never going to be the, the, the story writer that Tim Priester is just, it's not my strength. This is my strength and this is what we're going to be about. And this is what I like to do. And so um, eventually, pretty soon after that, I said, hey, I want to change the name of the website from Irish Maven, which I hated, to Irish Breakdown. And they were cool with it. And, you know, I keep the name, I keep all the logo, all that stuff's mine. But, you know, we're, we're partnered with them. And it's like when Irish Illustrated was at Rivals, they were Irish Illustrated. When they left to go to 247, they were still Irish Illustrated because they own Irish Illustrated. They're just partnered with different yeah. people. Same with Blue and Gold. We're partnered with Fan Nation Sports Illustrated right now in a very loosely but um, in, in that regard, but Irish breakdowns its own thing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where it came. And so I got the chance to leave Bloom Gold. It, it worked out to where I knew going in that the Georgia game was in 2019 was going to be my last game. And then I think it was like that next Wednesday or Thursday, I announced that I was starting Irish Maven. And then within a few months, I had changed it to Irish breakdown. 
And so, yeah, my first game covering Notre Dame for this new entity was the actual the Virginia game in 2019. So oh. against Bryce Perkins game. So that was my first game. So, yep, that's um, that's as briefly as I can be about how it came into being. And then, of course, we've built all the different platforms from it. But it originally just started out as a website and then a podcast that we did on Podbean that I did on Podbean because the first six months or so Vince was still at blue and gold illustrated because he took my, he took my spot, but we knew at the time that when his contract was up, he was, <laughs> he was going to come with me. So even though he wasn't doing shows, That's we tampering. would still talk about That's no, it's tampering. not tampering. He was not a full-time employee. <laughs> You're really trying to piss me off today. Aren't you Ryan? Um, but no, he was not that kind of employee, but, uh, and his, he, he didn't have a non-compete, so it was, uh, not tampering, but yeah, so that's kind of, it's kind of how it came to be. That's how it came to be. I miss Bryce Perkins, man. He was a good football player. He was really good way. player at Virginia. That, yeah. that game was really competitive for a half too, Ryan. I mean, it, yeah. the second half, they had the, the two fumbles, the one that, um, Adi Tagumba Ogundiji ran turn for yep. a touchdown. And then the other one, Myron Tungvaloa returned inside the 10, kind of broke that game open. But I. I mean, first half, Bryce Perkins was torching Tariq Bracey in the Notre Dame secondary. Who was that big risk? Joe Reed. And Joe Reed, uh, yeah, who was yeah. the other kid? Uh, Hassan something or Hakeem something. Oh, a Badeau um, or something, right? Like a French name? Wasn't something it? like or, that, yeah. yeah. But they, had a, they had two big receivers that Notre Dame's guys just could not guard in that first half. And so what they their, their strategy in the second half was, okay, we can't guard them. Uh, uh, Hassis Dubois. That's Dubois. so French. Yes, Dubois. you were correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was good. Uh, and, I was surprised yes, he didn't like the NFL for a couple of years. Yeah, Dubois was good. Yeah. Yes, he was. He had six, nine catches for 143 yards against Notre Dame. That game, right? he was good, man. He so was yeah, good. he was a good football. player. He was player. good all season too. Like he was yeah. just a good player and, that year. And Joe Reed also had 100 yards receiving that game. So what Notre Dame did in the second half is we can't cover him. So let's just make sure we sack Bryce perkins a lot in the second half that defensive line just took that game over i mean just flat out took that game over and um had those two big those two big fumbles just broke an otherwise competitive game open yeah yeah it was in that that was a very interesting game bryce perkins has been on the the rams for the last couple years as a backup so i'm happy he was a really good college quarterback man i i enjoyed watching him play a ton Next question is from Jordan Schreiber. Says, who wins the second starting starting guard job when the season opens? Andrew Kristoffic or Rocco Spindler? I won't be shocked if Andrew Kristoffic is the starter in the opener, but I also will not be at all surprised if at some point in time during the season, Rocco eventually went is the starter at that position. I don't know when it will happen, but it's going to have to – it's going to have to be about Rocco continuing what he did at the end of the spring, Ryan. But I've talked yeah. to multiple sources that that really felt like Rocco took a big step. Now, Andrew did some nice things too, and there's some other guys in that competition. But I, I think what, the thing about Rocco is he just brings a different style of play to the table that I think they want at that right guard spot, Yes, which is he's a big physical mover. Now, he's got to build on what he did. He can't just rely on his last week and two weeks of practice. He's got to build on that. But I won't be shocked if at some point in time next year, Rocco Spindler takes over that right guard spot From based on I, things I, I've heard. I'm actually going to go from momentum base. I'm going to say Rocco Spindler starts the first game, yeah. but they don't have to battle like heck every week to not, yeah. not get taken over by Charles Jagasaw. <laughs> that would be mine. You could see it. I also yeah. won't be shocked if we see something similar to what we saw uh, in 2017, a right tackle. Rotation. At guard, yeah. Where Christoph and Spindler both have earned an opportunity to play, and they both play. I could see that yeah. as well. It's possible. Yeah, I could see that as well. 
All right, here we got a two-parter, Ryan, from Scott L. Scott L's question, one of two. Enjoy the optimism about Notre Dame competing for a natty in 2023. I didn't hear injuries being factored in, though. Should likely injuries to key players be factored in? Just last season, we had many key players whose backups were sizable drop-offs in quality of play. Just la- just last year, the absence of Tyler Buckner, Cam Hart, Tariq, uh, Tariq Bracey, and Avery Davis hurts. At safety, left tackle, and quarterback, and the depth isn't really there yet, right? Well, first of all, Scott, in response to your question, is I'm not a mind reader or a predictor or yeah. a, 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 a seer. So I because because other teams are also get... going to have it. Because like, what yeah. you would say about Notre Dame is true for everybody. However, yeah. I think the the point that Scott's getting at, which is a fair one, is someone's going to get hurt. Right, that's true for everybody. Does Notre Dame have the depth? But we actually did address this in the show, and we've addressed this plenty of times this offseason. Ryan is that Notre Dame isn't a position at most places because we did talk about safety. We've said this before. If Xavier Watts doesn't pan out, they're they're going to be in trouble at safety, in our opinion. But the whole point is, is you know, when no when guys got hurt last year, we did see other guys step in. And, and and play at certain spots. And and we've seen that in the past before. You know, Notre Dame is in a position at most p- places where if they lose a guy, they're okay. We've also addressed positions where they're not. And we've said this, if, if Sam Hartman gets hurt, Notre Dame could be in trouble. But I'm yes. not going to sit here and spend all offseason saying Notre Dame is not going to – I'm not going to talk about Notre Dame competing for title just because there's a chance that Sam Hartman might get hurt. I mean, so us saying that the quarterback depth chart's a problem after Sam Hartman is not new. We've addressed it. But I also don't feel the need that I have to repeat those things every single time we have a topic, right? Like, what I can't stand is every – like, it would be such a boring show if every time I said something positive, I I threw out a bunch of qualifiers. Well, assuming everyone says hurt, we'll we'll say that at times. You know, like we said earlier today, assuming – Audric estimates healthy for the entire year. If he's at seven yards of carry, that's really flipping good. I don't feel the need I have to say that. If Notre Dame's five best players all get hurt, sure, they're not going to compete for a title. But you know who else that's true of? Every other team in college football. Yeah. I mean, if Ohio State's if Ohio State loses Marvin Harrison, Emeka Igbuka, JT, Tommy Eichenberg, and Donovan Jackson, guess what? They're not playing for a title either. That can be great. Yep. Right? Yep. So, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's true for everybody. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel the need to do that. And, and how do I factor them in? Right. So, so this is a legitimate question, Scott, how do I factor that in? If I'm going to talk about Notre Dame being a title contender, am I supposed to not do it because the odds of an injury are such and such percentage? Yeah. Cause it, well, who gets hurt? If a receiver goes down, I think they'll be okay. If, a D tackle goes down. I think they're going to be okay. If a starting inside veteran linebacker goes down, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're in a much better position to overcome two cornerback losses going into the USC game this year than they were last year. So if Thomas Harper and Cam Hart get hurt before the USC game, I'm a lot more confident with sophomore version of Jaden Mickey. Clarence Lewis now playing for a full year under his belt as a slot. Chance Tucker now emerging as a junior and a guy that can help you. And you've got Christian Gray and Antonio Carter. All guys that can play that slot and then play outside cornerback, right? So, like, I'm I'm more confident they're going to be able to overcome that injury enough in this year's matchup against USC than I was 
last year. Sure. Right. And and so and and last year the problem wasn't the secondary. <laughs> they actually played pretty well if you go break down the all 22 film. I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't bad. It was you couldn't tackle Caleb Williams. Yes. Right. That was the bigger problem. The scheme was the bigger problem, in my opinion. So I mean, if Sam Hartman goes down, they're not going to be as good. That's not new, and that's something we don't say. And I don't feel the need that I have to repeat that every single time we talk about how good we think this team could be. You should assume certain things that if their three best players get hurt, yeah, of course we're not going to be good. But again, to Ryan's point, but isn't that true for everybody else in college yep. football? So uh, what if Brock Bowers gets hurt for Georgia last year, they'd have been fine. This year, no Darnell Washington. Are they going to be as good at tight end if Brock Bowers goes down right? I think it's a pretty big drop-off this year compared to what it yeah. would have been last year. Still talent, but a lot of unknowns. Yep. Right. Oscar Delp so, and Pierce Sperlin, like right. could be good still, but maybe. Yeah. But they would have been in position to replace him the way that Darnell Washington would have been able to step in and replace him last year. Sure. So I just um I just I'm it is what it is, man. That's that's true for everybody. Se- secondary so. options are also very like we analyze it as much as we want, we predict as much as we want, but until you actually see it, it's sure. still an unknown, right? I mean, but like here's we, the thing: like we could say that, Ryan, and then yeah. what's the point of having shows between now and Game Five? Right, right. Like that's not what you're saying, but like that's my point: is like if I have to throw a preface out, or if I have to tamp down everything until we see it, then it's like, okay, guys, season's over. See you again. But when will we have a good idea of what this team is, Ryan? Week four? Okay, cool. See y'all heading in the Michigan State game or Central Michigan game. That's when we're going to come back because then we'll feel like we have enough to talk about. We'll have enough of what we need to talk about, right? Like, so certain things you should understand. You should understand that if your starting quarterback gets hurt, your team's going to have a tougher time. That's true literally for every team in college football. I mean, except maybe what? Texas? Well, I was thinking even like, I mean, like an easy example would be like 2015, right? Like, mm-hmm. did anybody think that CJ Procise was going to run for a thousand yards after like moving to running Ryan, back? Like, did anybody do, think that? Do you remember Malik- that offseason? Everybody's like, if Malik Zaire gets hurt, this team's going to struggle. And I got hammered yeah. all offseason when I said, no, they're going to be fine because Deshaun Kaiser, but he was so bad in the blue gold game. Don't care. Yes. Don't care. This year, I'm more concerned about quarterback than I was then because they don't have a Deshaun Kaiser as a redshirt freshman. I said, that's not Steve Angeli's not that guy. And Kenny Minch is a true freshman who played half of a senior season because of a shoulder injury. I'm not. That's partly why I wanted Tyler Buckner to stay. All these people, I'll Tyler Buckner to leave. Okay, you better hope nothing happened to Sam Hartman because then you're really going to wish that you had Tyler Buckner on this football team. But, I mean, again, Ryan, if we had to, well, I need to see it first, or, but if this could happen, there'd literally be no point in doing shows between now and game four or game five of next year. So, um. Yeah, it's a fair question, Scott, but it's just kind of like until you can tell me exactly who you can predict, you get into the DeLorean and go into the future and tell me who's going to be hurt by week five. Um, I'm going to just keep talking about what the team is right now. And the depth is important, and we, but we've addressed that. I think we've done a pretty good job of addressing that, right? And that's something we talked about in the transfer show is how, yeah, you should be okay running back, but if you're an injury, you're now an injury away from being in a really tough spot at running back. Yeah. And we don't know what those guys are going to be behind them. So, yeah. Uh, Jordan Schreiber says, if the Celtics make the finals again, are you going to watch? Probably not. I just don't watch the NBA. I I definitely won't, Jordan, to your question. But you dislike the Celtics, though, right? I'm a Sixers fan, so yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. 
Makes yep. sense. Did uh, and the Sixers got beat by the Celtics? Correct, Ryan. Game seven. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't like. As long as they don't win, it's fine. You know how many so. seconds of those of that series I watched, Ryan? It's like zero. Zero, I guess. So I watched I'm, every I'm, painful I'm, second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, here's another basketball question from Jordan, and then we'll be done with the basketball questions. Jordan said, thoughts on the Pistons taking a torch from Bird and Magic? Did you did you like the bad boys? Personally, I'm not a fan of the Pistons championship run. I wish Bird Magic passed the torch straight to Michael Jordan. Agree. I mean, they kind of did. Um, from a uh, from Pistons a win one or two. They won. They won two. They won back to back. They beat yeah. uh, they beat the Lakers and I think the Blazers. I think in the second in the second one, I believe. But um, no, I, I couldn't stand watching the bad boys. Here's the thing. I, I, I did not like Isaiah Thomas personally. Yeah, He's a heck of a basketball player. Great player. Yeah. And they had some players that were fun to watch. Mark Aguirre was fun to watch. But I just the, – the Bill Lambeer, Rick Mahorn, Dennis Joe Rodman Dumas. was just – who? Joe Dumars. Um, I liked Joe Dumars as a player. It's mm. just the whole physical thuggish thing, like the Bill. I mean, Bill Lambeer was one of the biggest thugs in basketball history. And again, it's not about being physical. I, I don't. I don't mind. I mean, here's a play against the you know Celtics you know, where, where Kevin McHale basically like clotheslines Kurt Rambis. Like, like that was that was a. I've seen that. Yeah. That was a rough play, right? I mean, you could say it was a dirty play, but like that was an aggressive play in the middle of an NBA finals. Like the thing with Bill Lambeer is like, he would step under people as they were coming down. Like he yeah. would like physically try to hurt people. And that's why nobody likes him is because it, it there's being a physical player and you're in Charles and Bar- Oakley was an enforcer. He yeah. came into the game to beat you up, but I never felt Charles Oakley was an, was a dirty player. Right. Doesn't mean maybe has a, a dirty play, but Bill Lambeer's goal was to, I mean, I've, was to hurt people, and I I have zero respect for that. And they just played such an ugly, blah, bland of basketball brand of basketball that I just I just couldn't watch it. I just I hated watching. And that was kind of when I stopped. My love for the NBA started to decline around then. I did enjoy the first three Bulls championships as a basketball fan. I hated the last three because it was just like the game was. I just didn't enjoy the league as much anymore. The yeah. uniforms are getting uglier. Like I'll still never remember the Memphis Grizzlies had some of the and the Raptors had some oh. of the most hideous ra- jerseys. Those Grizzly, there. those Grizzly oh. uniforms were the worst, though. They were absolute worst. They were so bad. Um, really and bad. just the game wasn't as much fun back then. I would enjoy today's game a lot more if I watched the NBA because I I'm a big fan of of pace. I'm a big fan of you know the ball movement, and I think it's better now than it was for a while. I just I don't know. I just don't have time or a desire to watch the NBA for a, a host of reasons, but also because modern NBA players just really annoy me with the constant disrespect they show for the previous era. I see that more and more in this era of NBA than I did from before. In my Do that? opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't noticed that as much. Yeah. I, I, I just, I dislike it. N- not, not all of them, but yeah. like I've never heard Kevin Durant, for example, say anything bad. LeBron has his little, little shots but he'll also say some kind things it's just there's just too many of the jj reddicks and the gilbert arenas and guys like that that i'm just, uh, like, just JJ, shut up jj's really just bad shut now. up he's, he's he 
he annoys the mess out of me. Like he's borderline enough for me just not to want to watch the NBA because I don't have to listen to that guy talk about it. JJ's but. very bad. And I I really respect JJ as a player, but yeah, that was yeah, he's yeah. bad. He's a bad analyst. Yeah. Very, very uh, Archer so. Archer like those grizzly uniforms. Archer, I'm sorry you have bad taste. You're a Buckeyes fan <laughs> and you like the grizzly uniforms. I wow, mean man. he's a Buckeye fan. Of course he's gonna <laughs> like the Grizzlies uniforms from back in the day. <laughs> Well, it's straight we've, to, sir. We've established that he has bad taste, Ryan. Come on. Yes. Oh, true. goodness gracious. I'm going to ask this question, uh, Ryan, because I think everybody knows my answer. So I want to get your answer on this one. Because I think I think it's come across that you've played a little bit devil's advocate, more so than necessarily giving your opinion. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. It's about the running back. So Matt McCarthy asks, is Kedron Young a better running back than Anthony Carey, or would Young be more preferable because of his size? I, I like Kedron more than Anthony Carey. I, I like okay. Anthony Carey as a football player. He's, I think he plays with good pace. I think he has pretty good explosiveness. I think he runs hard, like a lot of good stuff. But I think Kedron Young is a bigger, stronger, more explosive runner. And I think that their vision is on par with one another. So mm-hmm. I would take Kedron Young in this situation. Okay, so we're on the same page. I, I, because you would yeah. always kind of push back, like it doesn't have to be Keedron Young. There's other. So, oh no, so, I still like Anthony Carey. Right? But yeah, yeah. I was just, I thought maybe you liked him more. I've yeah. said this about Anthony Carey, and I think if you all have been listening for a while, you know my opinion of Logan Diggs. Anthony Carey to me is a faster version of Logan Diggs. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like not a burner, but can make the big plays. He's got great feet, great balance, great vision. He can catch the ball. Uh, that's that's impressive because I mean, Ryan, you know, you know my stance on Logan Diggs. I had him as a top one fifty football player coming out of high out of high school, and the only reason he wasn't top hundred was because of the speed. That was the only grade yeah. that really kept him from being a top hundred guy. Well, I think Anthony Carey, to your point, is is got good speed. He's not a burner, yeah, but he's got good speed up. for a running yeah. back. And uh, he's a good back. I just, for me, I, I, I just like and Kedron Young. And I also think that Kedron Young's style is, for me personally, more preferable to complementing to what they have with Jeremiah Love yes. and and uh, Aeneas Williams. That's not the Notre Dame staff's opinion, because my understanding of talking to people is that they're just like, these are these two guys, and if we get either one of these two guys, we're, we're happy, you know? And... Um, I'd be happy too with Aeneas Williams. I don't blame them for that at all. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's an interesting one, Ryan from Archer four, five, two, who is one of your favorite recruits you've ever covered. Now that for you, it's, it can, I'll let you Ryan answer it one of two ways. You can either talk about yeah. recruits that you've covered doing this job because you haven't done it for very long, or you can also include potentially maybe some guys that you've gotten to know during your NFL draft process process. So I'll, oh, I'll let man. you answer it two ways. Okay, NFL draft process, it's J.C. Horn, and it's not close. Okay. He's my guy. That's, that guy is a – he's wild, man. We talk sometimes, and I'm just like, you are crazy, man. I, <laughs> J.C. was my dude. J.C. was my dude. Uh, Recruiting-wise, Carson Hobbs is a great kid. I really enjoy him, which is why he does the Carson's Corner now. I really think that he's a great personality. Last cycle, I thought Christian Gray was super dope. Like, he was very fun. Um Jaden Greathouse, I liked covering a whole lot because there was just like this, even when you talk to him on the phone, you could hear like that subtle confidence in his voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I respect the heck out of that, sir. Like, I just really do. But Sullivan Absher in person was one of the funniest guys, though, ever. I remember meeting him down in San Antonio, and he's just wild, man. He's mm-hmm. 
He's a goofy country boy. He's got that southern twang, and he's a really good dude. Really I'm going to say something, Ryan, and 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 I'm going to say this because I feel like I can give a, a perspective that you can't simply because yeah. that was really your first full recruiting class that you've covered. I'm going to say this relative to me doing it going back to 2010. Last year was probably the class that had the most. That's a really good kid yeah. that I've ever covered. I mean, you didn't even mention Sam Pendleton, the Braylon James and his family, Adon Schuler and his family. Drake Bone and his family, like, and and I didn't. Some of the kids I just didn't get to know. I didn't get to know Jaden Osbury, but from what I've heard from others, similar situation. Great kid, great family. Yeah, there was a. It was a very unique year, and I think it's it's part of what I love about that class because there's so much high football character and personal character in that class. Jeremiah Love is a very, very cool kid. You know, very thoughtful, smart, very studious kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of kids like that. I know you and Cooper Flanagan had a really good relationship as yeah. well. You know, so there just was a lot of like, man, that's a good kid. Rico Flores is a very unique young man. Like I really, um, you know, think he's kind of got some, I just didn't get to know him as well as I did other guys and, and you as well as other guys. Cause he wasn't as receptive to those things, but still it's like, you just see him and you're like, that kid's just different. And that's something that I think is very unique about the 23 class from what I have seen from previous classes. And I've been doing this over a decade. And that's why I wanted to give the context. Uh, Ryan is not just doing this because it happens to be the one full class he's done. It, it it was a unique class in a lot of ways, Ryan. Like, I'll be honest, there's there's been over the years some kids from knowing, like, God, I can't stand this kid. Like, he's a good <laughs> football player, but I really dislike this kid. Like, he is just a I just do. I just don't think Notre Dame should be recruiting this kid. I just, I won't name names, but yeah, I've I've, I've already run across a couple of those. So yeah. yeah, I get it. But uh, luckily, Notre Dame did stop recruiting a couple yeah. of those kids. Which but is like good. the kids they got last year, like I mean, I don't like like you said the Schuler and the James family that we got to know the the Fantastic families. Was, I mean, just you know, like yeah, it makes sense why this kid these kids are the way that they are. I mean, you just you spend some time talking with parents. You're like, yeah, it makes total sense. Totally. And, and I see someone wants a Debbie Odding shout out. Yes. I, yeah, hey, that's I, another one. That's another I, one. The, uh, uh, Charles Jagasol's mom is yeah. another one. Shonda Gray is another one. We're like, man. Shonda Gray is awesome. You man. get these. You get why these kids are the way they are when you meet their parents. Hey, Gideon, I, I, I sent all of the 2023 moms a happy Mother's Day uh, message. Nice. Okay. So just give me some credit, man. Give me some credit. Yeah. Give them their shout outs. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's get to some more, Ryan. But, yeah, it is a very unique class. All right, here's one for you, Ryan. It's an NFL question, so I'll ask it for you. Uh, Jordan Schreiber asked, Michael Mayer is all pro year one. I say yes. All pro? I mean, Jordan, that's a little much, man. If you said maybe, like, sneaks a pro bowl berth, I'd be like, What about all rookie team? What about a team? Yeah, yeah. oh, he could definitely be an all rookie team. He could be an all rookie team. If you said pro bowl, I would be like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's not going to be easy, but that, that could happen. I mean, uh, barring injury, Travis Kelsey is going to make all pro for the nine billionth year. You mm-hmm. have some other guys like Dallas Goddard and George uh, Kittle. And uh, I mean, you're just, yeah, you're yeah. good. So we have a comment all, from all Michael. A little much. We have a comment from Michael Morse says, I think Jadarian Price is going to be our number two running back. I think he's the best back we got personally. He just has to prove it. But I, yeah. I mean, like for a lot of that, Mike, I'm like, okay, yeah, I see that. Sure, I agree with you there. Um, he did outplay Aldrich Estimate and Logan Diggs last spring. So he did. He could end up being number one. But again, the whole prove it thing is the big key because again, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. 
And and we don't know how he's going to respond to that because it, it I've said this before, Achilles injuries today are a lot like what knee injuries were 20, 25 years ago. You some guys come back fine, other guys are never the same athlete. And you just don't know. There's running backs in the NFL, Ryan. Who was the guy for the Colts that just never recovered from the um it, Joseph Adai? No, his first and last name started with an M. Played at South Florida. Marlon Mack. There you go. Yeah. Uh Marlon Mack never really was an NFL running back after that. I mean, yeah. and he wasn't that old. He's like what 26, 27 when he when he tore his Achilles. I think he's still kicking um, around as a backup somewhere. Yeah. yeah. We'll find yeah. out if Cam Akers can come back from it. You know, he's only had really one year and didn't play on a great offensive line. So we'll, we'll, but there's been there's been backs. Uh, Mike, Michael Ashore never never recovered from his Achilles injury. Just was never the same guy. You just don't know, and that's the thing. And until we see Jadarian out there and I'm not worried about re-injuring it. It's not that kind of thing that I'm concerned about, Ryan. It's like, will you be as explosive? Will you be as elusive? Will you will you be able to make cuts off of it? Or is it going to be too tight now? You know, you just that's some guys just lose that explosiveness. And so until we see it, it's hard to it's hard to know, really. And that's the risk that you run when you do lose a Logan Diggs because there's so much I don't know. Correct. If it all if everybody's healthy and back to their their full speed and full strength, and not worried about running back at all. It'll be loaded, but we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Well, I mean, especially when a player's game is built off of explosiveness, right? right? Like that's a little bit tough. I mean, if it was a, right. if it was a big bruising running back that had Achilles, it'd be like, Hey, he'd probably get back, you know, cause he like, doesn't really need like that short explosiveness, but that's Jadarian Price's game is that short yeah. explosiveness. Yeah. Here's an interesting question from the history expert. Who says if the 2022 Clemson and Ohio State games switch positions in the schedule, does Notre Dame win both, neither, or one of the other? So last year, last year, Ryan, I thought Ohio State was placed relatively well. Yes. I thought Notre Dame's best chance of beating Ohio State was in the opener. I don't know if they'd have been able to beat them four or five weeks later when they, you know, had a better read on things and they had some younger guys stepping into lineups and stuff like that. Yep. This year, I don't think it matters a whole lot to me where in the schedule they're placed. The only way I, I, this year, I also would not have wanted them to be the opener. I'm actually happy where they are, but if you'd have put Notre Dame hosting Ohio state in November and playing at Clemson in week five, it wouldn't have made a lot of difference to me. Right. And, Cause you could say, well, look, Notre Dame is going to be kind of still learning things. Sam Hartman getting used to his players. Well, Clemson's guys are learning a new system too, and they're still having to replace a lot of guys. So, uh, you know, and I believe Clemson is also a lot like uh, Ohio State, or I mean, a lot like, yes, Ohio State, where Notre Dame actually has a week zero game this year. Yep. And so that game um, would be, I think, Clemson's fourth game. I believe it's the week that they played Notre Dame. I, I mean, uh, Florida State, I believe. Let me just look real quick, Ryan. When did Notre Dame, yeah, Notre Dame plays uh, Ohio State September 23rd. That will be Ohio State's fourth game. It'll be Notre Dame's fifth game. And it would have been the same thing for Clemson because Notre Dame's first game is, is Saturday, August 26th, where Ohio State and Clemson don't start their seasons till week one. So Notre Dame has a week zero game this year. So that's plenty of time to get ready for whatever game that is for them. And I don't think 
they're and they're not at a disadvantage playing either one of those teams in November this year compared to where where it would have been last year. That's my that's yeah. my two cents, Ryan. Well, I think twenty twenty two. If you're talking about last season, I. I, I... I think it would have been a, di- a different game against Clemson in the first game of the season, potentially, because Notre Dame's offensive line wasn't playing very well, obviously, at that point in the year. So would you have been able to run for 260 yards against Clemson? Like, the game just would have looked a lot different, in my opinion. But So I think that it would have changed a little bit. I agree, Brian. Like, I, I think that Ohio State, the best chance last season was early in the season. I think if you push it back a little bit. Notre Dame, I mean, I, I still think Notre Dame keeps it close. Like, I still think they play them tough, but it's probably still – you know, it's going to be a loss at that point. So I think the only difference is that the Clemson game just looks a little bit different because your offensive line wasn't playing very well early on in the season. Next question is from Notre Dame, 2164. If Notre Dame wins a national championship in 2023, let's hope, Will Freeman will be able to start stacking top five classes more years than not. By top five, I mean actual yeah. top five, not the ridiculous point system top five. See, that's what happens when one of the OGs asks a question like this, Ryan. One of the guys that's been here from day one knows how I feel about that particular question, worded it perfectly. Put man. the disclaimer in at the Put end. Put the disclaimer yeah. in there. So I don't yeah. even have to get into that. So I love yeah. it. Yeah, I think so. I yes. mean, he just he just landed one after a, in my opinion, a, a borderline one at the very at worst, after a nine and four season where they lost to Marshall and Stanford. So yeah, I mean, if Marcus Freeman you know has Notre Dame winning an Addy this year, then yes, he will he will recruit. Top five classes as long as he as he's here, I mean per, for the most part. I mean I I really do believe that. Now, I hope that they don't necessarily change their recruiting strategy up too much. I think the strategy works. It's just the execution of it isn't always there because you have some coaches who aren't just good recruiters, and some kids you're just not going to have a shot at. Well, guess what? Notre Dame could win the next two national championships, and there's still going to be kids they're going to have no shot at. Right. They're still going to have zero shot at landing Jaden Rashada in two years. Right. I mean. They're still going to have no shot at landing Nico in two years with back-to-back titles, most likely. There's just some guys that are just going to not still not come. But you know who is at Notre Dame if they win a title next year? The next Keon Keeley type of kid. Sure. Meaning like that kid that just is a great Notre Dame fit and also happens to be a five-star. Yeah. So I, I think – and I think what it does – because here's what it does, Ryan. This is the thing that, that I'll say, and, I, and I've said this before. I would argue that in the last 10 years – in two different seasons, Notre Dame was a quarterback away from being a, a championship team, potential team. And in another year, they were a defensive coordinator away from being a championship team. I feel like if Notre Dame had a – if Mike Elko was Notre Dame's defensive coordinator in 2015, I truly believe that Notre Dame team had a chance to win a championship. I truly believe it. Absolutely believe it. Because Alabama was not a very good offense back then. Notre Dame almost beat Clemson anyway. Alabama was not a great – I mean, this Jacob Coker was their quarterback. You know, and Derrick Henry was a phenomenal running back. Don't get it twisted. But Notre Dame had some NFL dudes in their front seven. You know, like I'll see your your Derrick Henry and raise you a Jalen Smith and a Sheldon Day and a Jerron Jones and an Isaac Rochelle and a Ro McWara. We we can do enough to at least keep you in check to where we're going to make Jacob Coker beat us. And he, I don't think he could do that to that Notre Dame team in 2015 because I just I just don't. I mean, they had a great O line. They could. I mean. Clemson had the great quarterback, right, Deshaun Watson, but I'll take Notre Dame's skill that year over Clemson's skill that year in 2015. Now, 26 – because remember, Mike Williams got hurt in the first game of the year that year, Ryan. So that's – next year you had him. It's a little maybe a little different deal. 20, 2017, I've said this before. 
if Lamar Jackson is Notre Dame's quarterback in 2017, who beats them? No, nobody beats them. And the the point is, you, 2018. I've said this before. You put Kyler Murray on Notre Dame's football team in 2018, and I think that team could have won a championship. I do. Now, would they? It'd have been tough. They Clemson's still a great team. Yeah, but they could have beat Alabama that year, no question, with a with a better quarterback. Uh, and you know. Clemson would have been tough, but they 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 could have beat them with a with the with a Kyler Murray type of kid of course because Kyler Murray bangs that first post route to Miles Boykin for a touchdown. I mean it's seven nothing just like that. You know he could have, he could have avoided the pressure that Clemson brought and done some things, get out of the pocket, and made some plays. I mean, dude put up thirty some points on Bama and had them in that game for a while. So, you know, the the, the point is Ryan, they're not as far away as a lot of people think. They're not. 12 players away, nine players away. There are two to three players away, one to two players per class away from being a title contender consistently, even when other teams are really good. So like right now this year, we're kind of banking on it not being as good of a year. I'm going to be honest about that. If Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State were all returning starting quarterbacks, it'd be a little tougher this year, in my opinion. So, you know, you, you don't have to land – but last year, Ryan, what's an example? Last year, last year's class. If Notre Dame simply gets Keon Keeley and Dante Moore, the, the entire conversation about last year's class is completely different. It's a top three class. Oh, easily, yeah. Two guys. Two guys. So that's the difference between 7, 8, 9, 10, or wherever the Notre Dame was ranked last year and top three, top five. It's one to two guys a year. And and last year was just if you just got the guys that were committed to you, if you just got Peyton Bowen, Keon Keeley, Dante Moore, you're you're t- Dylan Edwards, you're a top three class. Yeah. So and that's what championships can do for you, in my opinion. They're close. Well, I, I- I mean, they're really close. I, I think that uh, I've talked about the snowball effect, but I really, I truly believe that if Marcus Freeman wins something significant to that degree, I, I don't even think it's necessarily a national championship in 2023 to this question. I think if Notre Dame goes out and has a significant season, maybe goes 11 and one or goes, you know, 10 and two and then wins a, their first New Year's six bowl and whatever, how many years that's been. I think that it could start to snowball at that point because it's just about, you know, being the missing piece, the one or two players left that's going to take it to the next step. But if Notre Dame wins a national championship, I think it's all bets are off, man. Like, it, it, you're going to give Marcus Freeman a national championship ring on his finger when he goes into the when he goes into the living room of a parent yeah. with their kid. Like, all right, dude, like I, I'll take I'll take my chances at that point. I'll take my chances. Yeah. Oh, man. Um yeah, it starts getting exciting to think about, Ryan. Could you imagine Marcus Freeman just sitting there, like, doing the thing or, like, flashing the like, ring? Like, ring, the big gold seriously. ring. Like, listen, buddy. You know, he, you know, he'd, like, listen, I'm just I'm just going to say to you, this is kind of the opportunity we can bring to you. And, you know, and, and because, again, what happens <laughs> if Notre Dame wins a title? There's two things that happen. Number one, that. But the second thing is, Ryan, you and I both know this. This is and, – and you may disagree with this, actually. I don't want to say we both know this because you may disagree with this. But this is what I've observed my entire life. Teams that win championships and win big consistently, their players get overdrafted. Just it it, it happened to Notre Dame back in the eighties and nineties. I mean, yeah. it, there were guys that got were first round picks at Notre Dame that shouldn't have been first round picks, or at least quite as high as they were. And and um, 
you know, it happened at Miami at times. It happened, it happened, it happens in the SEC right now. I mean, it's, it's been true for a long time. It just, when there's a level of dominance, your players are going to get overdrafted. I mean, if LSU goes eight and four in 2019, they don't have 15 players drafted. If Georgia goes eight and four in 2021 with the same players, and let's just say they had whatever went on and just disappointed, underachieved, whatever, they don't have 15 players get drafted. They'd still have a lot get drafted. Don't get me wrong. The SEC is sure. always going to have guys drafted, but not to the degree that they have. And so a second-round pick maybe becomes a first-round pick, a third-round. I mean, if Notre Dame goes 13-0 this year, Ryan, or 14-0 and, and wins a championship, Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer are first-round picks. I, I just – there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, how can I prove that? I can't. I can just watch guys get picked in the first round from certain teams. Like, yeah, that guy's not <laughs> – that guy's not a first-round pick. Did the Broncos take Lloyd Cushenberry in the third round if LSU's coming off an eight-and-four season? I don't know. I, uh, you know, I don't. Is Clyde Edwards-Alaire a first-round pick if LSU's a eight-and-four team? I don't know. I, I have oh, my definitely doubts. Not. Definitely not. You know, yeah. so th- those are just the things I point it to. So, so that also would impact recruiting. Is the point of that? Is now all of a sudden you get a couple guys drafted pretty high. You know, you get about five. You know, five, six day one, day two draft picks in that next year's draft right after the championship, and all of a sudden you're like, okay. Right, because part of it too is Notre Dame wins a title this year. They're going to need Cam Hart to be healthy and play well, which sure. then impacts his draft ranking. Assuming he passes all the medicals, you know, you you may have Blake Fisher and Joe Walt both being first round picks. You know, there there may be a couple other guys to step up. That hey, they can't win a title if this guy doesn't have a big year. And I and I think all that stuff factors. Now, Aldrich Estime is probably a day two pick in my opinion if they if they go out and win a championship because he would have to be a very big part of that. Yes, you know so. Those are all things that I that I feel would impact it, but yeah, it would. It, that's that ripple effect you're talking about, Ryan. Absolutely, that would yeah. go into it. I just hope that we find out if we're accurate about that or not someday. I would love to. I'd love to test that theory. I'd I would love, love to test it too, because at least we would have a championship. So, yeah. <laughs> here's a good one, Ryan. Gideon Rosa says, of the top national quarterbacks from 2021 to 2024 in recruiting. Who are you taking as quarterback one based on high school? I love Quinn Ewers' talent, but I'm still taking Dante Moore. I need to go back and look at who the top guys were for each year. So, so if I'm if I'm uh, if I if I'm if I'm talking about these two, I'll, I'll I'll stick with these two specifically. Yeah. If I'm talking about Quinn Ewers and Dante Moore, the the problem I'm probably going with Dante, but it, it's slight. Here's the thing about Quinn Ewers and, and people. I just I don't think people take are are taking enough thought into this. Ryan is the kid is still just a sophomore, really, compared to where it should be. Skipped a senior year to go to Ohio State and sit the bench so he could get an NIL deal. Now that was his choice. I'm not I'm not defending that, but the reality is he's still a sophomore when it comes to his development standpoint and his age and those type of things. And he, he, part of the thing is if he was some three-star recruit that nobody ever heard of and he played exactly like he did last year, people are a lot more excited about what he's going to be next year. And they're not talking about him being a bust and all this other kind of stuff. I've said this a million times. If Dak Prescott was a first, a top five draft pick, the perception of him in the NFL to me would be a lot different. It's like, hey, he hasn't taken that next step. I don't know if he's an elite guy, but I just, you, we see this all the time, especially in college football. If Ian Book was a five-star recruit, I don't think fans would look at him the same way. I think part of what makes people love him is that he was this underdog and three-star. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so, you know, to me, I just I think that's something that's really impacted the the perception that people have of of Quinn Ewers. 
And some of that's his own fault. And it's his, based on his own act, immaturity and actions. And that that's fine. But some of it is, I still think the kid's a good football player. And I actually thought he played pretty well in the bowl game and had a couple pretty good games last year for what I consider a freshman in college. Because he, even though he was at Ohio State, that was his first year at Texas. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't getting first team reps at Ohio State that first year. He was he first of all, he didn't even show up on time because he was, you know, the whole reclassification thing. So to me, that was a bit of a wasted year. Uh, for me, Ryan, I, if I but if I could do anybody, I'd probably go Caleb Williams. Even just looking at it as a high school player, oh, Caleb. Yeah, not even looking at what they are now, just what they were as high school players. I'd probably still go with Caleb because the twenty two class. I didn't. There was no quarterback in the twenty two class that I'm considering. I mean, was that Aller? Drew I Aller love Drew guys. Aller. You know, yeah. there's some guys like that. I, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Connor Wegman fan, as you know, Ryan. I like Kate Klubnik a lot, but none of those guys are in the conversation with Dante and Ewers and and Caleb Williams. I'd probably go Caleb Williams in this case. I, I actually, it's not even probably. It's it's a it's a pretty easy selection for me. He was more po- way more polished than Quinn Ewers was coming out. Uh, he's a better playmaker with his legs than Quinn Ewers was coming out. His arms every bit as good as Quinn Ewers' arm is. And and this is true in high school too. I, I'd have gone with Caleb Johnson, and I think part of the reason Caleb Williams didn't get even more love is because of the COVID stuff. You know, yeah. because he didn't get that opportunity to kind of really have the the notoriety. The camps weren't there. All the stuff that he would have been a part of that he wasn't able to be a part of to build even more hype about the number one quarterback in his class. I think he was hurt a little bit by that, in my opinion. Caleb's special, man. I know Notre yeah. Dame fans that would have admitted to themselves. And he was that way coming special. out of high school too, right? I mean, it's not like, yeah. wow, where'd this come from? You know, yeah. I mean, he was he was big time. He was big time even coming out. Well, that there is a reason that even though Spencer Rattler actually finished the year off well the year prior, that even in the preseason they're like, oh, wait for Caleb though. It's, it's like, really? I mean, Spencer played pretty well down the stretch. And then it was his job. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's uh here's one from Insured by Big, our resident LSU fan. And their question is on a player recruit, how can you visibly distinguish between poor coaching versus lack of talent since we don't know what assignment was called, etc.? Always appreciate the show. God bless. Well, so first of all, if if you know football, you you, ha- you can figure out pretty easily what a guy's assignment was because you look at what everybody else around him is doing, right? Like I don't need the coach to send me the call sheet, Ryan, that yeah. says they were in cover two for me to know they were in cover two. I mean, you, you kind of see it, what they're doing. But I can also see the way the corner played, the way that the linebacker played, the way that this happened, the safety screwed up. 
<laughs> he should have been getting over top or something like that. So, I mean, you can figure that out. When I watch a team run inside zone, I know what the rules are supposed to be. And so I can evaluate, hey, that he's not doing that. And then the other thing, too, is like if a guy's getting beat, right? So, like, if I'm watching an offensive lineman and he's getting beat it, because his feet are bad, and then I watch the other four offensive linemen and they all have good feet, I can kind of determine that guy just doesn't have good feet. But the issue that I have with the offensive line in 2021, and, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because you weren't part of the, the team then, so you weren't able to talk about it as much. It's not that that a guy here or a guy there didn't play well. It's when I watch that offensive line in 19, 20, and 21, well, 19 and 21 more so, I watch the entire line catch blockers or catch blocks, stop their feet, not use their hands, not execute assignments well, not know how to get to the second level. It was happening across the board. There were plays in 19 and 21 where the offensive line would literally, as a unit, pick their feet up and put them right down and then catch the defensive line. That's coaching. Now, if I'm watching four kids come off and fire off and the fifth kid does that, that kid screwed up, right? So those are ways that I think you can look at and determine if it's a coaching issue, uh, if it's a lack of talent issue, or if it's just an assignment mistake, because sometimes kids just make assignment mistakes. You coached them up. They know what to do. They just didn't get it done on that play because sure. no, no coach. LSU in, in 2014 or 2019 did not have a single game where every single kid executed his assignment perfectly every time. Never happens. Will never happen. There's usually not even a play where everybody does everything perfectly every single time or very few. Uh, so you can't, it, that's not the standard, but it's when things become patterns and they happen in big moments, that's when, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem, but those are ways that I think you can determine the difference between those different things. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a cross the board issue versus an individual issue. I think that that's the biggest, the biggest reason. I mean, you see the whole wide receiver crew in previous years, not be able to handle press coverage. It's like, does that mean that you just have a bunch of guys that can't work press coverage? Or does that mean that you're not taught how to play against press coverage? Like it's just the same, same concepts. I mean, it's one of those situations where I think the more you watch also, the more insight you get into those kind of conversations, because again, you'll be able to pick up more on to Brian's point. Cause I think he's correct here is that if five guys are doing the same thing, that means that that's what's being taught. If one guy's doing something completely different than the other five, that means that there's something that that's a lapse in that type of situation. So that's kind of where I am with that. And I want honestly insured by big, like even if a, even if a player is doing the wrong assignment, you can still isolate individual traits there. Right. Cause there's some guys that don't do the right thing, but they still win reps because they're just so physically gifted. Like it happens all the time. So even if a guy steps the wrong way, I can still see if a guy's explosive out of a stance, mm -hmm. I can still see those types of things. I can still see if a guy turn a run, even if he, you know, wasn't good in his pedal or his level was a little too high. I can still see that he, when he turns the runs, he can absolutely fly. So there's a lot of different aspects to it, but I still think you could isolate those traits, even if they're not coached properly, but obviously coaching properly is, is easier to distinguish in my opinion. That's a very good question. And the next question is from Stonador who says with the new running clock rule of the season, how much harder will it be for players to get to a thousand yard years? that won't change yeah i mean the thousand yards won't change what it may be the is pace, the pace of the game will just change 14 bit, becomes 13 13 becomes 12 i mean so you know some some of the guys that were like 900 yard rushers before might not be and it also de determine it depends on what kind of style you're going to play 
So where I where I I don't know if it'll necessarily impact yards a ton. Where I think it could because I was asked this. We we did a we did our show the other day. I put one of our shows on 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 the board. So we we take our shows and we put them on another platform as well. And so I put them on the shows from that platform onto the message board. And it was the show about how 23 is a big year and conversation started. It's like what I want to see from Notre Dame this year. And somebody was like, I want to see him scoring. He was like 38 to 39 points a game. And I, and I was, and he, a lot of other things. And I was like, I agree with everything you're saying. The only thing that I'm sort of unsure of right now is I don't know if 38 and 39 is going to be the same this year. Because the running clock, what it could do, where it, it could it could limit a possession or two per team, yeah. And now, all of a sudden, thirty eight, uh, you know, forty a year ago, maybe thirty seven now, thirty eight a year ago, maybe thirty six, thirty five now, you know. And 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 um, I think so. It's more about where, so then you have to look. Okay, but where do you rank nationally now? You know, thirty five a year ago may have had you. Uh, actually, let's look it up real quick, Ryan. It'd be, be be easy to figure it out. So, this past year, thirty five points per game got you between twenty and twenty two. Well, this year it might get you to nine. Right, right. So it's not like a huge, huge difference, but it's enough to where, okay, yeah, they scored thirty six points in two thousand nineteen, but this year's version of thirty six came on. You know. I don't know, 15 less possessions over the course of the year or something like that, about one, one to two a game. And that factors into it. So I, I think those are different things that, that, that could impact it. I don't think yards are going to have a huge impact. I think you'll, you'll see an, you'll see them down a little bit, right? I think it'd be silly to say, we're not going to see the same, you know, a, a change in yards. It's just not going to be a, a guy would have had 14, but now he's at 900. Right, you know, like drastically. Yeah, like those guys at the very end of the of the you know. So like last year, for example, Ryan, there were thirty nine players that rushed for a thousand yards, and there were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys that had less than eleven hundred, and then another guy, Devin A Chain, at eleven oh two. Like those guys might have been a little close to a thousand. Yeah, with the the new rule changes. So you but, mean we have to we have to pay more attention to efficiency stats instead of volume stats? The Lord, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I I think it, it it'll be slightly harder, but it's not going to be like they had thirty nine thousand yard rushers last year, and now it's going to go down to nineteen. Sure, it's not going to be like that, but we'll see. And I just like the fact that he's thinking about how results are going to be impacted by the new rule. I that's wise because it's it's. I haven't really thought a lot about it until the last couple of weeks, really, as I've started to like formulate articles I'm going to do over the summer about stats that need to. So now I'm going to be focusing more on ranking and and yards per play as opposed to, hey, teams that won championships in the last however many years averaged X amount of points and X amount of yards. Okay, that's not the focus as much now. It's more so on, okay, where are they in the, you know, they were top 10 in scoring right. or what were they yards per play? Because that that shouldn't change, Ryan. You know, yards per play shouldn't change a, ton, change a ton. And if anything, it may go up a tick for the argument used earlier about fewer plays. You know, so you may have one less drive at the end of the game where you're just milking the clock and running the ball for three yards to, you know what I mean? Because you're just yeah. less possessions. So um, we could see it jump a little bit. So the ranking in the in the per play averages is where my focus is going to be more so on this this season when comparing their success to previous seasons. When you're comparing it nationally, it, it, it you, you rank where you rank. It doesn't matter. 
it's about more so if I'm trying to give context to how the numbers this year may compare to if I'm if we're praising yeah, the offense. So what are you praising the offense? It's not many more yards per game than last year. I'm like, yes, but that's because of you know they're averaging 62 plays a game this year, and last year they were averaging 71 because of whatever the case may be. Right. That's that, that it'll be more for context than so. That's case. where yards per play comes into effect in that right. type of situation. Yep. Right. Uh, man, Jim Brown passed away. That's really sad. Really. Yeah, 87. Man. That stinks. That stinks. Yeah. yeah. That was a talk about someone who um was ahead of the a, time. <laughs> well, not just as a player, but just I mean, you could argue that as great of an impact as Jim Brown had as a football player, he had an even bigger impact post-career. Yeah. With just the different things he was involved in with like race and different things like that. Like he had a huge impact in on in the, in our country just beyond football. And yep. as, to your point about him as a football player, talking about a guy in, in the wrong generation. Like or he could have played in any generation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He oh, was he, tremendous. Uh, I heard I heard Jim Brown was one of the best lacrosse players of all time, too. Yes, honestly. I heard that. I've heard yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Now I don't know how much of that becomes like legend, but I mean he yeah, I think he played lacrosse at Syracuse, correct? I believe so. If I remember I correctly. So. Yeah. So yeah. There's some weird, crazy multi-board sports stuff back then. I remember oh, Jackie yeah. Robinson was like a baseball player track and played football i think at ucla yeah. or something like that like dave insane. winfield remember the outfit for the yeah. yankees he was drafted yeah. by uh as a basketball player as well he played basketball at university of minnesota yeah. tony gonzalez was a really good basketball player coming up really good yeah yep really good uh, at Cal. yeah yeah so yeah you but you're right you saw john elway i mean I, we talked about his stats playing minor league baseball yankees. for the yankees for one year yeah. yeah don't see that quite as much there's some i mean kyler murray was a top uh, what top ten in Major League Baseball draft pick? Yes, high school, yes he was. I believe yes he was. Yep. Actually, no, it was in college. Remember, because people thought he was about to leave because of it or whatever, and then he ended up playing. Yeah, I thought he was drafted high out of high school and then wasn't gonna play. I think he may have been both. I think gotcha. he may have been both. Possible. Ricky Williams played minor league baseball during his college career as yeah. well. So you'll you'll see it, but just lacrosse though back then was interesting for a host of reasons that I don't care to get into in today's show all right here's another one from stonador ryan stonador says what is a win-loss record this year where notre dame should start getting worried about the future conversely what is a win-loss record where other teams start getting worried about notre dame's future uh we talked about this one a little bit yeah. the other day but i think if they repeat nine and four i start getting worried a little bit and if it's worse than that then i really start getting yeah. worried about it that's just kind of where i am with it but Nine and three gets me a little nervous. Worse than that, it's it's a concern. Yes. The second part of the one, what's the win-loss record where teams start getting worried about Notre Dame's future? 11 it, plus, I would say. Uh, 11 plus, but here, here's another one too, Ryan. I'll even add more to that. If they run the table against the big three on their schedule, that's going to freak some people out, Yeah, in my opinion. Because that's, I mean, you're beating teams that a lot of people are thinking are pretty darn good and are sending or at least pretty good. But I mean, to me, it's it's not just about that. If Notre Dame goes eleven and one this year, some teams are going to be worried. Bama's not really worried. Georgia's sure. not really worried. It's more so when they go to the playoff and they beat you. So it's it's not so record plus you got to go to the postseason, Ryan, and win a game. Yep. Because if you go to the postseason and lose by twenty four to Georgia or Alabama, it's like same old Notre Dame. Been here, done that, right? I think now, now what I think is Marcus Freeman would take advantage of that playoff run more so than Brian Kelly on the recruiting trail. 
but it still wouldn't prove that you're that team yet. But um, yeah, Ryan, you're, to your point, 11, 11 plus wins, especially if it's in the regular season. Yes. As long as the one loss isn't like a 35 point loss to Ohio State, they're going to be pretty fired up. Yeah, 11 and 1, and you lose like 21 24 in the other yeah. game or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're cooking. Yep. Interesting one. Very interesting one. All right. Here, here's, a, here's a good one from Jay Henry, Ryan. It says, Who is the most hyped football recruit ever? Wow. I mean, I can only ever? speak of what I've seen. And I've heard that John, John Elway and Eric Dickerson came out in the same class. Yeah, they were crazy hyped. But I've heard stories about how Billy Sims was as a recruit. I mean, so but those ones I can only tell you what I've heard and you know, legend grows and all that kind of stuff. In yeah. my lifetime, I I well, Quinn Ewers is to me the most overhyped recruit I've ever seen coming out. I mean, all this stuff about you know, greatest prospect ever, perfect grade, highest like Josh Pate said something, and I and I tend to like Josh Pate. I'm listening to him a little bit more and more. But he made a comment today. He was trying to talk about how Alabama's still loaded roster. He's like, you know, Alabama's current roster has three of the six highest ranked recruiting classes ever. I'm like, bro, you work for 247 Sports. They didn't start doing this until 2011. All right. So, like, let's chill with that. Second of all, if you look at numbers six, seven years ago, just the, the way that, however it works, numbers are getting higher and higher now of the top teams. Well, why is that? Is there something changed in the system? So, you know, and, and I just like, okay, we're, 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 we're putting a little bit too much on that. Right. When you start talking about ever, but I'll tell you a guy that, that is in the conversation for me as the most hyped football recruit that I can remember. I mean, Jimmy Clausen's in that conversation. Now he got, people kind of picked him apart a little bit late, but for a while, I mean, you're talking about the, the guy at one point is called the LeBron James of high school football. That's um, that's a lot of hype, right? <laughs> that's a bad. lot of hype, you know. Bad. And um, you know, I Jimmy's in that conversation, but Quinn Ewers is probably the one for me, just because of some of the absurdity of the things said about him coming out. I I think you could put Arch Manning in there too, uh, if you're talking about overhype. But today's to, yeah. to to Jay's question is more so hyped. Like Quinn Ewers, Jimmy Clausen. I'm trying to think of a, a few Come, more. Trevor Trevor Lawrence was got a lot uh, of hype too. That was going to be one for me. The two guys I remember most, as far as just like being a casual uh, recruiting person, was Trevor Lawrence. And I remember when Adrian Peterson was coming out of high school too. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, who was that guy?" Jadavion <laughs> Clowney is another one. Jadavion Clowney got a ton of hype, but you know who Jadavion Clowney lost to in the state championship game, coming out of high school? Mister Everett Golson at Myrtle nice. Beach. Yep. Nice. Yep. Nice. Yep. That was a heck of a game, man. I, I watched that whole game. It was on. It was uh, on TV. It was not like on TV. It was like it was streamed. You know, so yeah. you, the whole thing is on YouTube. It was a heck of a. Man, Everett was so good. Gosh, he was so yes, good. Was. Man, I wish he would have panned out. Or yeah, flipping George Whitfield. <sighs> anyway, here's an interesting one, Ryan. What are we doing here? Give me a fr- flipping break. Is there that anything, might have something to do with something I said. <laughs> is there anything you would like to see added to the game day game day tradition for the football team? Mass, player walk, etc. They recently added the players coming on field through student section. Yeah, uh, boy, that's a good one. I don't really have a whole lot, to be completely honest with you. 
I, I think a Notre Dame game day is pretty awesome as it is. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I, I think really Notre Dame is a lot of cool them. stuff. They do a lot of cool things yeah. to include the fan base already. Yep. You know, if, player walk is awesome. The grotto talk is about awesome. like things that are true. Like, Cause you said traditions. Yeah. If we're going to do anything that I would say is a tradition, I would like to see maybe the entrance into the stadium, get something cooler, you know, than just kind of running out. Like I like the, here come the Irish thing. That's really cool. You know, they at least they do the smoke now, but you know, I wouldn't mind them thinking about something along those lines. Maybe that they could add a little something spice to it, I guess. I'll tell you, um, a tradition that I think is going away from all college football games that I don't like is the sound coming from the from the sound system, the speakers, and the scoreboard is drowning out bands more and more and more. And I do not like that. I really do not like, do not like, do not like, do not like, do not. Brian doesn't like it if you didn't if you didn't catch that one. <laughs> What's okay? All right. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I I honestly I just there's nothing that I really look at and I say like I really want to. I mean, for me, what are we doing here? <laughs> Give me a flipping break. I I look at it as like I really enjoy. Honestly, like there's just so many cool things in Notre Dame. I mean, I'm trying to like compare it to like other schools that have these great traditions as well, but I don't really know. If I'm Notre Dame, what, what I would <laughs> – it was a remix. Yeah, it was a remix, but <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I just love the grotto, being able to light the candle. I love being able to do the player walk. I, it's just not really much I would change, honestly. Yeah. So, was, Ryan can, – um, can, we, can, can we cut that up afterwards, by the way? It was all, someone said it was like dubstep. You, oh, you didn't hear it, what it sounded uh-huh. like? No. It was just like um because I couldn't hear anything because my my cord got knocked out, so I couldn't hear anything. And whatever you said, it like echoed. It was like uh 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 oh really? Uh. It sounded like okay. a <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah, sorry. It was great. Sorry. Yeah, I really don't like that. Uh I really don't like the scoreboard stuff apparently. Hey Ryan, could you do me a favor? So I had to leave yeah. in order to get the mic set back up. So yeah. the last question I started was around the 238 mark. Okay. And right now, the earliest thing that I can see is the 334 mark. So I don't okay. have access to any of those things. So if you just kind of quickly look through some of those. Sure. And then uh, as we're getting caught up. So once you get to the the the, um, the 334 mark, I will have I'm going to see here. Um, I, I got a starred comment from J J Henry at 337. So that's where we got to get caught up to. But Jay, Jay had a comment, responded to something we talked about earlier, Ryan, and he said, I think Freeman with a natty would expose some coaches we think are good recruiters. I agree. And, yeah, I, I know I know one in particular that's not that far away, little little southeast of where I live now in the middle of the state of Ohio that I think would be <laughs> one of those guys that I think is an overrated recruiter as a head coach. And he's got some assistant coaches that are really good recruiters. But as a head coach, I think he would be one of those guys that would uh, – would uh, fall victim to that as well, Ryan. So we got a, we have a super chat here from uh, from uh, Tyler Evans. Tyler says, Tyler, thank you so much for the super chat. Is there some transfers that you like that landed in the right spot and some transfers left you scratching your head? Hmm. I would assume he's kind of talking nationally. I would assume so as well. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, some of the um, – some of the oh, – boy, this is a – some of the quarterback it, ones were a little weird to me. Yeah. Like Devin Leary going to Kentucky, that one, like, bro, you'd have been better off staying at NC State if they wanted you. I don't even know if they wanted you or not, but like, 
that was one that I thought was a little strange. Was just the fit seemed weird to me. I I, I thought AD Mitchell to Texas was kind of weird. Not that, like yeah. AD Mitchell's a talented player, but I'm just like they have a lot of receivers already. Right. Like I don't know why you're right. doing that exactly. And you'd have been you could have been the guy at Georgia this year. Potentially, yeah. You know, I mean, part of me thinks you know that's why I start thinking like there's some um, some NIL stuff involved in it, that kind of thing. Probably. And, yeah, you know, but um, Bear Alexander to USC was one that you just kind yeah, of shake your head at. That like, wasn't okay. anything about football. That was about <laughs> money. Yeah, you know, um, I'd have to think about that one, Tyler. I'd have to kind of go through lists and stuff and kind of be like, why, why that guy go there? But there's a couple. I mean, most of them that I that I'm familiar with, I pay attention to, made sense. I mean, Logan Diggs I, to LSU. We someone said DJ Uyunglele yeah. to Oregon State. I actually, kind of I like think that, that makes. Sense. That I love sense. that one. That's one of my favorite yeah. ones, Ryan. To be honest with yeah. you, that's one of my. That's one of those ones where it's like, boy, if that guy's going to get his career resurrected, number one, he's going into an area where Corvallis, Oregon, no one's going to be paying as much attention to him as it was before. Yeah, He's going to be in a system that's not going to ask him to carry the team every game. And, and um, you know, he's he's a guy that's going to be very well coached, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I actually liked that one. I liked that yeah. one a lot. I'm trying to think, like, here's one. But this is more of the player. I mean, the school. Why would the school do this? Not the player. Graham Mertz to Florida. Like, what? What were you thinking, Florida? <laughs> Florida got you know? desperate. I think, man. Yeah, really that one. Desperate. That one did not. Especially with when you think about all the quarterbacks that were still on the market. You well, know, like, they they like um, panicked. They 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 had cl- they. I remember the reports were uh, they were trying to get Austin Reed to transfer, and then Austin Reed decided to stay at Western Kentucky instead. Like that was their guy, apparently, and then they had to settle for Graham Mertz. It seems there were some rumblings early on that Sam Hartman was going to go to Florida, like when he first when he when because remember, I mean, it started coming out before the season that Sam Hartman was going to either go to the NFL or the portal after the season. Yeah, and so that wasn't a surprise, and there was some talk late in the year that like Florida would be the destination and all the other kind of stuff, and it just. Yeah. Yep. So, someone just said Keon Coleman to Florida State. Dude, that is silliness now. That yeah. size on that team. Like, geez. That didn't leave me scratching my head. That left me saying, no. man, I cannot wait to watch Clemson and Florida State this year. Poor corners, man. Like, oh, yeah. hey, do you want to you check the 6'4 guy or the 6'7 yeah, guy? Because Keon's your small guy, Ryan. That's yeah. the other thing. Keon's your small guy. That's and, like, and that's, they and they have the uh, the Jaheim Bell, who's like a six three, yeah. two hundred thirty pound move tight yeah. end as well. I mean, he's a like, good player. He's getting a little overhyped, but as far as fitting into that offense, though. he's gonna. Yeah. It's a really nice fit for that offense. Sure. Yeah. 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 That they they had a really nice, and they got some solid players too. Like Braden Fisk is not sexy like Keon Coleman in that, but that was a really good pickup for them. Really good pickup for them. I, I will I will say that I think Tyler Buckner to Alabama. Was a head that was scratcher odd for me. It, it was a head one. scratcher for the fit. I mean, I think when he went in the yeah. portal, you kind of thought it was an option. But yes. let's just say this: if Tommy Reese wasn't there, it like that. There's no way that happens. No exactly. way that happens. Exactly. Uh, Braden Fisk going to Florida State was one that was a head scratcher to me. It's like, yeah. dude, you're from Indiana. You played at Western Michigan. You're going to Tallahassee, Florida. That one was a bit of a head scratcher, and yeah. also very disappointing, in my opinion. <laughs> very disappointing. It was. And we had another super chat from Raymond Harton who said, thank you guys. Much more knowledgeable about football as a whole since signing up for Irish Breakdown. I love hearing that. I mean, that's really ultimately one of the goals we have here is that you enjoy football more when you know more. And that's something that we take pride in. So I appreciate that, Raymond. It means a lot. 
We also had a super sticker from Sparkling Swan. Thank you very much as well. So um, let's get back on top uh, on track up here, Ryan. I'm going to ask okay. this question. I, I kind of talked about this a little bit. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Rob Osgood said, I'm sure it's been brought up, but if the ACC disbands, what are the indie options and future games look like? First of all, I'll say it's for right answers. The whole ACC disbanding thing is a little bit, being a little bit overplayed uh, right now, but I just feel like for me, in, unless there's something changes dramatically, I, I do think the ACC is sort of like a dead man walking. It's just yeah. not going to something that's going to happen quickly. Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? And what are the options? What would you consider for Notre Dame as the options if if it does disband? I mean, it's so tough. I mean, especially with like Notre Dame having the allegiance on other sports, right? I mean, they have the allegiance obviously with the ACC, which is why this relationship is taking place. I mean, I mean, for me, Rob, I, I always consider Notre Dame football a separate entity. So I think that you still hold the bargaining chips. I mean, I we talked about this before, but I mean, because as soon as the Super Conference conversation came up everyone's like oh Notre Dame needs to join a conference and I'm like mm-hmm. no they, they should hold off as long as they possibly can they're making themselves more valuable by not jumping into a conference as soon as possible so I think you still play the independent card for as long as you can and then at some point if you get to a process down the road where Notre Dame needs to join a conference or that's the only option left then you go to the highest bidder at that point like that's where we are right I mean that's kind of where where I think this thing is going but I just I just I think Notre Dame stays as committed to the independent aspect of their program as long as they can, because as we, I, I, we have also talked about this before, and I think I've brought this up. Notre Dame's uniqueness is what makes them so different in the college football landscape. They don't do it quite the same as anybody else. And part of that is the independence that they have not being, not being, a hundred percent in a conference. So I think just keeping it as long as possible is the biggest thing for me, Brian, like keep the independence. Don't sell out anytime soon. Like I, I think just play, play the, play your cards as long as you can, in my opinion. Just don't go to the big 10. We'll see what the options are at the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah, I get you, man. I get it. Uh, Andy estimate trucking LLC. Brian did not take the name for me this time. Best I, I, you know, I got to throw you a bone every now and then, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Best comparison for Joe Walt, Zeke Carell, and Billy Schraub only using past Notre Dame players. Oh, I just think it'd be cooler if we didn't have to use past Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, Joe Alt, past, I mean, better version of Liam Eikenberg. I mean, I, there's just, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody that compares him. He's so tall and so long. long. <laughs> you know, like body wise, okay, Sam Young, probably the closest size wise, you know, like six, like eight. A 300 something he's way more smooth athletically than mcglinchy and sam young though like he's like moves like ryan harris but he's built like mcglinchy to to ryan's point right um zeke carell jeff fame the closest that yeah or no here's a better one uh rick kaczynski he was an undersized center uh zeke is bigger than he was but you know still that guy that just had to scrap i mean scrap all day to win uh, that's a good one for me billy shrouth you got a good one there ryan Ugh, not really physical athletic guard. i don't know i don't know like alex I really bars hmm. maybe i don't know yeah i'd physical. rather like here, here's a here's a comp i'm changing i'm changing the premise of this nds debate trucking lc i apologize uh, 
Uh, Joe Waltz, comparative. Uh, Joe Thomas would be mine for Joe Waltz. I think that that smoothness is very similar to Joe, although he is longer than Joe Thomas. Billy Shroud, I mean, who's a kickbutt guard? Kevin Zeitler, when, when he came out of Wisconsin? Like, I mean, that's kind of my, where my mind goes. Zeke Carell, I don't know, man. David David Andrews that came out of Florida State a few years ago. He was like an undersized center. So there we go. David Andrews, Kevin mm-hmm. Zeitler, and Joe Thomas for Joe Waltz. That's, you know, that's you're, my comments. You're, you're not showing that great history of, you know, knowledge of Notre Dame history, Ryan, by not – Pulling some Notre Dame guys. I was going to go with Jeff Fain for Carell because Carell's a scrapper, but Fain was really athletic and really strong. Like he was a he was a different kind of dude, in my opinion. The guard one is interesting because Notre Dame hasn't had a lot of guards that were like Billy Shrouth. Like the the closest actually that I could think of is Quentin Nelson, but I don't want to say that because that's so unfair. Yes. To compare him to Quentin Nelson, you know, so um, that's boy, that's a tough, that's a tougher one right there, man. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, because Chris Watts, not a good one either. Cause Chris was undersized and Billy Shroud yes. is not, man, that's a, that's a good one. Um, it's hard, right? it's hard. Yeah. For guard, gotta, just because open it up, man. they haven't had a ton of guards. You know, um, I'll say this, Nick Martin, probably the closest athletically, but he's physical like Chris Watt was. So like a little bit of a mix of Chris Watt and Nick Martin, I guess. Because remember Nick Martin played guard that first year as a starter? Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe a, maybe a mix of Chris Watt and Alex Bars. Maybe that might be a good one. Find that happy medium size-wise between those two and – he was a mover. Like if he plays anything like Alex Bars did in 2017, like Alex Bars was so underappreciated in 2017 as a blocker, Ryan. He was so good that year, and he was off to a great start in 2018 before he tore his knee up. He was really good early in 2018. Yeah. So that was a that one was a bummer. That one was definitely a bummer. I don't think we've ever seen anything like Joe Waltz at Notre Dame, honestly. It's Not at Notre unique. Dame, no. Well, yeah. they've had guys his body type, but they didn't move like he moves. Ronnie Stanley moved like him, but he wasn't nearly as fundamentally sound as Joe Walt was. And two inches shorter. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. that's a tough one. 